1: When the spawn meets world. When the spawn meets world. What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Bra meets world. What is Bra meets world? Your boy meets world fan cast. I'm Siege, And I'm Tony Coitus. Coitus? <laughs> coitus. <laughs> I, I love when you go coitus. <laughs> uh, and this is episode 50. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Guys, we're middle-aged
0: now. (laughs) We've been in this podcast business for a minute. For a minute. And
1: yet, learning every day that our sound quality just can't quite do it.
0: (laughs) We're doing all we can, guys. I think we're doing way better than season one. It's a learn. It's a learning process for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get there.
1: (laughs) Uh, Where you at? What's going on?
0: I did not like this episode. (laughs) Just starting right off the bat. Starting right off the bat, there was parts of this episode that I found to be quite pointless.
1: Yes, absolutely. I love that you say that, because you'll see when I go into the tell me about it. But uh, I guess let's just start with the tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. I feel like that was a little too much, but I still love it.
0: You know what? <laughs> I was trying to do more of a hip-hop influence. I feel like the Billy Joel <laughs> may be aged for our younger listeners. You know what?
1: I mean, I like that you're experimenting. Oh, yeah.
0: How about this? How about this? Tell me about it, tell me about it, he tell it. Tell me about it,
1: tell me about it, tell it. Some like whisper <laughs> mumble rap kind of thing? I don't know why whisper rap was where you went. But again, I love that you're experimenting. I look forward to seeing where this goes. Well,
0: it's, uh, you know what? I'm just exploring genres. Call me Ed, she- Ed
1: Sheeran. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, this is season three, episode four. He said, she said. Sean is forced to visit with a guidance counselor after continually skipping class. He misinterprets her advice and decides to drop out of school and set off to find himself. In a B storyline, Harley is coming back to John Adams High, much to the dismay of Frankie and Joey, who now serve Griff. In a C storyline, Eli and Feeney bond. In a D storyline, Eric lies about a recommendation letter. From Feeny to get into college. Uh, First thoughts. My first thought was, too busy, too many plots, we can eliminate half of this. (laughs) I I thought so
0: many stories, yet not one successful. (laughs) I feel
1: like one is. You don't think one is successful? Which one are you? I think plot A is actually, like, I I have some Uh, arguments for that. Okay, I mean, (laughs) we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, so let's start with the roll call. Um, there's only one new person that we yep. really need to talk about we get a lot of re- returning but uh for the sake of this uh episode uh we have miss devin Collins played by Amy Leland who I looked she was in she was in like quite a few things um but yeah also just like one of these. Yeah,
0: just one of these, you know, episodic television actresses. Absolutely.
1: Um, So. Well,
0: one thing I do want to say, because I know technically at the end of season two, me and you had a disagreement because I felt like our graduation should have included both Harley and Griff. You said no, because they appear in this episode, but I stand by that we should have (laughs) said goodbye to them then, because by this point, I have forgotten both of these characters, I don't care about either of these characters, and at best, they're cameo appearances.
1: Well, so I would agree with you if it wasn't for the fact that the story, in context, they treat these two, the return of Harley, and the presence of Griff, as if... This is a continuation. We picked up right where we left off. Just kind of how Joey and Frankie come in and out of our lives. This is the same thing with Harley and Griff. It just seems like them them tying the ends of a previous plot. And that would be different. Or I would be like I would agree with you on like special guest yeah, Harley. Yeah. If if they didn't make it seem like this was just picking up. Griff is at the beginning of this and you're like, what,
0: what the hell are you doing here?
1: Yeah, I, it's like one of those things where it's like, wait, who are you
0: gonna-? if it wasn't played by Adam Scott it would be so less memorable of a, of a role. Which, by the way,
1: did you see that uh, ep- there was an episode of Keep It uh, which is a podcast by Ira something, I don't know. Anyway uh, Adam Scott was on that episode, and he talks about his time on Boy Meets World. Really? And he talks about it with such fondness. He talks about working with Mr. Feeney, or William Daniels of course, and what William Daniels taught him, and he was like, it was my first um, acting role, really. Wow. And I was really nervous, and I couldn't remember any of my lines, and they kept just trying to feed me, and William Daniels was like, hey, come here. Fuck those guys. And he was just like, just ignore them. Do what you can with the role, and I, like, Again, I loved that he was as fond as we are of him being in it, Um, and very often I feel like certain actors, you're like, oh hey, you were in this thing, and they're like, was I?
0: Yeah, (laughs) but he actually remembered it. Um,
1: It's interesting, because
0: definitely seeing him and Harley side by side, Harley kind of was a ridiculous human being when we were first introduced to him, but extra- (laughs) <laughs> Ridiculous compared so, to a modernized
1: version. Yeah, of it. so I love that, but I want to I want to take this episode by storyline plots. All right, um, so we have our go? A story, our B story, our C and D. So let's start off with our A storyline um, and kind of work our way down to frivolous.
0: Sure, sure. sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. Go all right. Go ahead. Yeah. So
1: um, in our A storyline, the characters that we have are Sean, Corey, and Turner, and basically this starts off with we start the episode off with. Sean's not at school (laughs) because he was ordering Forrest Gump on pay-per-view
0: with a a corded phone.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Which, by the way, all right, so about that scene, Turner leaves school with Sean. Like, no, he (laughs) leaves home. Sean's still at home. (laughs) Why Why aren't they carpooling the
1: school? They live together. First of all, yes, but what I'm saying is Turner, when... Because what happens is. We, oh, yes, he leaves we, his class. We know the school day has already started because Feeney says, by the way, the hunter boy missed his test. Yep. So Sean has already at least missed first period. Bare mouth. Maybe
0: we're meant to believe that this is his lunch break? No, no, no. Because
1: Corey enters his classroom and says, oh, yeah, that's my fault. I was supposed to tell you, mix up. No excuse. No, I mean, for why Jonathan's <laughs> able to leave
0: school in the middle of the day to go home and get Sean, maybe it's a, a lunch break of, of sorts.
1: No, no, no. Again, because Feeney came in <laughs> to tell him, hey, this is what happened. Turner missed this. Sorry. Um, We would expect to see Feeney or we would expect to see Corey at lunch, if that's the case. Why is Corey inside the classroom with a papaya? Maybe it's after lunch, but it's definitely a case mm-hmm. where... Corey is in the classroom. Other students are in the classroom. Corey has a papaya. And. Um, oh, so
0: you're thinking Turner left right at that moment. Well, we see him leave right at that I, moment. You know what? I It wasn't was edit, so I thought that we were to assume he went home later. But maybe he didn't no, leave. No, no, maybe he, he was just like, fuck all of this, guys. <laughs> I got to get home to my pseudo son and figure out what the hell's going he does on. It twice because he does it twice. He does it twice. He does it This, the this is
1: ho- The only reason why I know is because he does it again when sean doesn't show up later when he goes to he takes a bus to europe yeah and he goes he doesn't say hold on
0: class like hey Hey, can you cover for me can you cover for me no he's just like i gotta go (laughs) just like wait what (laughs) also knowing a thing or two about education if a teacher were to leave a group of students alone in the classroom and something were to
1: happen to him he is held responsible absolutely i mean According, like, remember, Feeney, like, flipped out all the time about him leaving students yep. alone with projects. So you're telling me Feeney <laughs> co-signed on him just leaving in the middle of the Well, day? I'm sure Feeney loved that Turner left his job
0: for a <laughs> personal issue that Feeney told him was going to interrupt his job. Before.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, just in the middle. So there's that whole thing. Um, And we start off with, like, Sean basically, from what I can say, not even really respecting Turner. And his relationship.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Turner goes home and he's yelling at Sean and, you know, he is, you can tell Turner's getting frustrated because he doesn't know how to discipline Sean. Yes. Um. And Sean just has this real frivolous attitude about like, whatever, I'll just go to the school. Oh, I missed that test. Great. What a great dink. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um. And it's that point that Turner is like, you know what, you're seeing a guidance counselor because I, I don't know how to handle this.
1: Exactly. Which is perfect timing because we get our new counselor, Miss Devin Collins, which by the way, it's weird because they don't call her Miss Collins throughout it. It's Devin. It's just like, she doesn't say, I prefer to be called Devin. It's just like, (laughs) oh, you're saying she doesn't have one of those moments where
0: she says, you can call me Devin. Everyone just calls her that. Well, she's a woman, bro. You don't, (laughs) (laughs)
1: what do you think the show is? She's a woman who's not a love interest. Yeah. So it's so weird the way that they set her up. And again, we have this magical room of requirement where the bathroom, which was once Feeney's office, was which now was
0: once a place where people took shits, so <laughs> now is a guidance counselor
1: Now it's her office, and she's really excited that her name's on the door. Um, so we get that. And I, w- what do you think about the interactions she has with Sean, Turner, and then Corey later
0: on? I thought that this person reminded me of okay so i used to be in a relationship with a teacher yep i spent a lot of time at the school i met a lot of the teachers and you could tell that there were teachers who were like i've been wanting to do this my whole life and you could tell there were other teachers that were just like i had to pick a major and this feels like that kind of person she feels like she's in over her head she doesn't really know what to say or what to do and she's just kind of talking to them as if they're fully grown adults that have the experience to be able to compare it to what she's saying to be able to find their own, like, truth in it. Um, And really, she's talking to highly impressionable young kids who are misinterpreting what she's saying, and she doesn't have the the knowledge to take responsibility for it, or to stop it from escalating out of control.
1: So, I find this episode weird because we get an introduction to her, and she's already kind of played, I'll say she's played kind of ditzy and kind of naive. And then we have her talk to sean and i think that the way that she talks to sean and gets him to open up is really smart it's really my uh, more but she gets him to talk
0: your dad sounds colorful he was a philosopher at the trailer park he used to say one man's septic tank is another man's oasis <laughs>
1: i never knew what he meant could
0: i take a shot I think he meant what's good for one person doesn't hold for everyone.
1: All right, Dad. And he talks about Chet, and he talks about his father in like such a reverent way.
0: I will say that she was very good at talking to Sean in the way that made him feel comfortable. Like in that way, like as far as like connecting to kids, that you could tell that she does have a gift for that in a way. Um, but it's just what she does with that. Once that door's
1: open, that she doesn't really. And I'll agree with that, but it's like, this is why I'm saying it's like, I'm having a hard time with this episode and how it treats her, because she's clearly intelligent, she has some understanding, of what, but I think you can say that she's just not experienced enough with being a teacher, but like they don't frame Eli as in, oh, you say things that you shouldn't be saying to, sure, yeah, to yeah, students yeah. right now, and also it's I... it's just like, oh, you get it. You, you know?
0: can argue that she didn't necessarily say anything wrong. Oh, she no. just I, didn't understand who she was talking to when she said it. And why would she? she I like if she had said that to Topanga, I think it would have been a
1: different outcome. And she admits to this. A, she admits this is her first day. Yeah. Um, and classic she had, mistake. Yeah, classic mistake. So there's that. And then I'm just saying, like, I would have expected there to be, so, like, maybe Feeny being like, hey. You know, I understand your intentions were good, but when you are a teacher in this school, you have that
0: conversation with Turner.
1: Exactly. You know what? It he doesn't... even kind of has a moment with Eli last episode yeah. where he's just like, hey, you have passion, and I like that. Yeah. You know, I just would have expected some guidance from Feeney, but instead, we get her being on her own. And we see her working on her own and kind of doing a lot of good and some bad. And then she's immediately chastised by Jonathan.
0: You know what? It doesn't matter because we never see her again.
1: <laughs> That's very true.
0: It's one of those things that we're like, it seemed as though they weren't investing, like, other than the initial introduction for the story purposes, there wasn't any kind of investment into her as a character the way there was with the Eli's introduction.
1: And you know what? That's what I guess I'm saying. It's like, it shows that there's no investment in her and she's a plot device.
0: It's like, hey, I know we do Chick of the Week things for, like, Eric and Sean, but let's do that for teachers, right? Exactly.
1: I do love how she goes, um, because Turner comes up to her, and he's like, yo, you Devin Collins? And she's like, yeah, like, do I know you? And he's like, yeah, look, he's run away.
0: Do you have any idea where he went? He ran away. Yeah, why don't you tell me what you guys talked about so I can make some sense of this? What well, we talked about family and college and finding yourself. Uh-oh. What?
1: I did mention my year off in Europe.
0: You said that? Come on, you're a guidance counselor. What kind of guidance is that? Back up. I only spent a half an hour with him. He's lived with you for four months. Why do you think he ran away? Ooh, that was good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then the bitch was like, Mike drop, I'm gonna walk (laughs) away. Even she was like, Ooh, that was good. It It was. It was a great response to someone who came up and blamed you. For you not knowing where he is.
0: And I think it was just him being frustrated because he couldn't have anyone else to blame. So he just naturally just lashed out at the first person he could. Classic male bullshit. (laughs)
1: Okay, what do you think about... Well,
0: uh, I do want to say this. That um, I thought um the idea of hey sean blew up a mailbox Corey has to see him in the right direction hey sean's gonna go to texas Corey has to see him in the right direction hey sean did this Corey has to tell a parent he's struggling whether or not he should or not then he does and realizes it's the best thing for his friendship blah 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 best friends the end like we get it
1: yeah i don't know like they i will say they don't linger on it and it's not like this is a huge plot point for Corey. Um, Which, honestly, I kind of feel like even they were like, we've done this before, we can fast forward through it, which is why there's so many... It felt
0: like such an abbreviated version of the Cherry Bomb episode. Exactly,
1: very much. But I'm just saying, I wish that they would have expanded on some of these storylines instead of having so many. Because A, you know that a lot of them aren't necessary. And B, you also understand that the conversation we're having right now what I took away from it is when the homeless guy at the bus station, first of all, his whole idea of showing that he knows Sean, he goes, Europe, bus stop. I, mean, I <laughs> think Sean taking a bus
0: to Europe is hilarious and accurate to his character. Like, Very accurate. I but what I'm
1: saying is it's hilarious and accurate, but it also shows that Turner knows Sean. Yeah. He goes, if Sean's going to Europe, how would he get there? By bus, <laughs> like so. There's that, but then also the the homeless guy or the bomber, whoever you want to call him, at the bus station, being like, "Listen to your dad." Yeah, and that the whole kind of onus of this show being fathers come in different packages, and and he doesn't have to be your real dad in order for him to care for you like a dad. Yeah, is and for you to respect him as such, is what I think this episode was trying to say with this storyline. Specifically mentioning Chet earlier with Dr. Collins, and I gave her a degree, but like with Dr. Collins, and um, having us see the admiration Sean has for Chet. Yeah. And then comparing that to his speech later of, like, not being able to trust anyone and being on his own. that, Sean, I'm responsible for you. Sean, give yourself a break. It's not like you're my dad. I guess I'm not. And I'm cool with that. I mean, I'm used to being on my own. And it's, uh, it's made me realize that I got to look out for myself.
0: So I'll see you later. Thanks for the roof. Sean, get back
1: here. You're not going anywhere. That is where I want this episode. I was going to say that I
0: really wish they dived into, like, the idea that Sean has always felt like he was this puppy that was a stray howling at the moon, thinking it meant freedom instead of loneliness. You know, like, he's always been this, like, kid on the run. And that, like, for him running away was more so i don't have anything to tie me down here why can't i be a feather in the wind like he's, he just saw forrest gump like you know like, <laughs> very good point like he is just on a different uh mental state because of what his family life and his relationship has been
1: to this city even i think see you know what you just brought up something that i would have loved i would have loved if they had made parallels to Forrest Gump. Gump, yep, and this Sean, sorry, this episode was called Run Sean Run, yeah, or you know something like where it's like Sean understands, like why even you don't even have to blame it on um, the guidance counselor, blame it on the movie. Yeah. Just the idea of Sean, Sean saying that's a great idea. Take away the guidance counselor and just make this about the movie simplifies the whole story exactly, and then having. Sean, connect with the idea of getting up and leaving just finding yourself makes sense. It's right there. I don't think they even intentionally did it. But, like, Forrest Gump is the perfect movie to get Sean motivated enough to be like, you know what? I'm just going to run. I'm going to do what I've always done. And by doing so, I will learn about myself. And then them being like, Turner coming in and being like, that is a great idea, and I love that you want to do that, but there is a part of living in life that you can only get by having a high school education and by being steady, and I'm trying to provide you that portion because you can do the roaming gnome part at any other time in your life.
0: And I also appreciated that uh, Turner was like, you know what, you wanna go to Europe? Fine. We'll go together next summer, but you have to go to school. Exactly. Like, that was his like the his struggle at the beginning of this episode is I how do I reach these kids? Like, yeah. I don't know how to, to discipline or relate to this kid or get him motivated. But at the end of the episode, Turner, who was struggling, finally found something that he's like, okay, now I have something that will motivate Sean.
1: And he does it on his own. And yeah. he doesn't even, he doesn't dismiss Sean wanting to go to Europe. He, what he says is, we'll go together. So it's not like, I'll, I'll make sure you go or whatever. He's like, I'm going to go with you. We're in this. I'm letting you know that I'm here for you. And I am investing in our future. And, but in order for me to invest in our future, you have to do your part. And I also think that
0: we've seen a lot of growth from Turner as well. Because in the previous season, for example, we've seen him going to Allen, going to Feeney, getting advice. I don't know what to do with Sean. And now he's just like, oh, I Sean's at the bus station. I know exactly where he is.
1: Well, yeah, it's really funny because I think two episodes ago when he couldn't find Sean, he goes, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to go look for Sean. And Alan goes, where? Do you even know where to look for him? Yeah. And it kind of shows how much he hasn't really, he doesn't really know Sean. And this episode is completely different. It's, he he has at this point in time, in the last month at least, because it was three months earlier and now it's been uh, a full month because uh, Colin says four. Yeah. Four months. Um, he has learned Sean and he's paid attention. And he's learned his habits and the way he this kid thinks, um, and he just basically comes up to Sean and he's like, "You can't keep doing this to me." Sure, you know, sure. and I and I like it. Uh, no, I
0: I agree. I think, I mean, I I don't think that this is the strongest story for Sean that we see, but it's not inconsistent either with what we've seen, and so for that, I'm I'm more so like. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm not like excited about this story, but I can see why it's it, it's there.
1: And that's my whole point. My I said that I feel like I could defend this this particular storyline um, more because of the way that he uh, Turner talks to Sean and the story arc that we get from both of them. But I feel like if
0: you crack open this Russian doll to the other storylines, we're going to start seeing some real nothing burgers. Oh,
1: absolutely. Let's go into uh, the B storyline, which is Joey, Frankie, Griff, and Harley.
0: Big buck of who cares. <laughs> right? A well, bunch I mean, of adults talking about their allegiance to the, what? Their... So I think
1: that I do like the idea of... Frankie and Joey getting their story arc completed and being like, you know what? Because we've seen them. We've seen them work on their own. That's what I mean. It felt like a step backwards because it yeah. felt like you could have started this
0: season and we could have assumed Griff graduated and that was the end of it. Absolutely. School years end.
1: Absolutely. Like Again, I feel like this episode pretty much picks up with them being like, Everyone being like, "Wait, why is Griff back?" It almost feels out of place, and I wish we would have seen like a scene of Griff being back, or like a mention earlier that Griff's like out of town, so sure. like now they get to be on their own and stuff like this. But the fact that Griff is here, and then Joey's like Harley's coming back, and we've kind of been playing both sides up until this point, and I like that. Frankie's all about living his truth. Yeah. Like from even from the very beginning, when Joy's like, "Oh, who? We we don't know who." A Griff. Joy's like, "Our Fr- Frankie's like, no, 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 no." Yeah. Don't be that guy. Yeah, exactly. He does a lot of his shit, which I
0: like. They're a great duo. Um, I have to say that when Harley enters frame, I am immediately reminded of how rapidly the show changes tone. Yes. Because this feels like a completely different show than the show that featured him as a prominent character. And the same way, it would be weird if Minkus were to walk on and like he's just in this dynamic and it's like, whoa,
1: whoa, this feels like such a, a, a throwback. Um, yeah, well, I think that saying goodbye to Harley and Griff, is literally saying goodbye to that phase yeah. of Boy Meets World. And I think that it's kind of the writer's way of saying we're moving past these storylines. You know what I mean?
0: It was one of those things where it's like it felt like a storyline that they they chose to wrap up that if they didn't, it wouldn't have made a difference. It wouldn't
1: have made a difference at all. We could have gone on the rest of our lives. They
0: could have just said like they could have mentioned something about Griff going to a different school because he changes schools all the time. And there could have been like, hey, Harley's gone, Griff is gone, it's just us, and just make a story about that. Like you didn't have to do this whole Western showdown of woody banter of like Harley talking the most ridiculous speech that I've ever heard. Like, I'm so glad that Griff calls him out on it for just being ridiculous. I do like
1: that Griff, g- Griff goes along the lines of something like, uh, good luck with whatever this is, yeah, like <laughs> with the whole retro thing, Brando, like something yeah. like that. Yeah, he does. He's very much like, I don't understand what you're doing, and I don't know. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to it. Yeah. Um. But then also there's... Griff himself isn't good because he has almost this too cool for school vibe where he's just like, all right, hit me or you're not going to hit me because Feeny will have you... And you're just I, like, still I don't think, think anyone cares that much. I still think
0: Griff is a better choice for that role than Harley. No, he is. But, but I, I still just... Yeah, like, I don't think either of them other than like here's the thing if i just take my genuine affection for adam scott out of it i don't feel like this character is necessary at all so i'm glad they're rid of him at the very least like i'm glad these characters are gone because again like this was just a a
1: well he says something along the lines of um since we have no problem harley there's no reason for us to fight and he just kind of walks off like and that's it it's just and again for me that's kind of the show's way of saying there's no need for us here. Let's just leave. And I love how the show thought, hey, we should really
0: bring back these characters to wrap up the storyline. Um harley's in reform school no that's fine we're gonna make it so he escapes but we have him just hanging around his whole high school in front of people who know him and teachers who know him and know that he's escaped that doesn't matter like phoenix he's walking around it doesn't matter it doesn't matter he's missing he ran away from reform school no 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 no. he's there though he's walking around he's hanging out at lunchtime like he's robbing kids his old shit there's no way that he would be able to just freely move about his old high school as a person who does not attend that high school. Anymore. Absolutely. I also think it's
1: weird because they don't even have Harley call Cory a baboon. So, yeah. like, you know, like it would have been different if you were like, hey, we're going to hit the same notes. But you don't even have him hit the same notes. You just kind of have him come back and be defeated. Like, you we know, we also
0: learned that uh, Harley has been sending. Uh... That, uh, Corey threatening letters, <laughs> and when I heard that, I was just like, God, "Who has the time? Are you obsessed? With, like, why are you so obsessed with him, bro?" I was
1: like, "Well, a he does have the time. He's in reform school, and there's nothing else to do. And I like, I like that." Um, he's on the World Wide Web. Or what, what, what does he say? He well, I, you the know World what? So.
0: I have a thought about that. But I Harley Kine.
1: Uh, it's like the, that's his handle. Like, Har or something um, like that.
0: But I just thought it was really interesting that uh, he had the time, he took the time to write threatening letters to Corey, but he never lays a finger on him.
1: Absolutely. I would have loved a You've Got Mail version of oh. Harley and Griff. Yeah. <laughs>
0: just saying harley kine
1: what yeah exactly <laughs> like if that would have come back it's like oh wait you're user 227 or whatever one
0: thing i want to bring up which is kind of i mean that's my bro moment but no. i, I kind of want to talk about it now with you um we learned that the reason why joey is hit to harley's plan is because he says i was online verbally pounding people what we have here is that the creation of the internet, we had a cyberbully. Yep, trolls immediately. From the beginning <laughs> of the internet, Joey was on there, the original OG of, of cyberbully. Exactly, like immediately. And, and it's it's interesting because when he was like, before he even finished his sentence, he was like surfing the web. I was like, what year is this now? He was <laughs> what now? Because I remember the internet, like we said, it's just a bunch of Angel Fire websites,
1: like it's nothing. <laughs> um, I can see a lot of AOL chat rooms just going in, and, and you know, yeah, and maybe. A- and to be fair, most of them now are just high school students with nothing
0: else better to do. And and you know what? I I was quite young, so I don't remember what the bullying was like in those chat rooms that that so existed. But I just feel like it was just a very,
1: one of those 2019 things that was just like, whoa, like yeah. that's weird. That I that- do remember. Like, again, I had the same reaction. I, I like that you you did that. Yeah. Um. I also like, again, just kind of to wrap this up, I like that when made to choose, uh frankie's just like you know what i quit no i'm not gonna be i i choose my own destiny
0: frankie (laughs) was always the more emotionally mature one absolutely i'm really hoping that we see more of because i know frankie's character gets fleshed out quite a bit i would really like to see joey's character be more than just joey the rat going Mm -hmm. forward since he doesn't have someone he's serving so, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to that. Fingers crossed. I don't really remember which way it goes,
1: but... All right. C-storyline. Eli and Feeny. Don't care. Okay. <laughs> don't care. Irrelevance. So Control-Alt-Delete. I agree, but the only thing I wanted to bring up is it's this is clearly to kind of establish that Eli is getting the Feeny treatment, and they want to show Eli... Bonding or doing something with Feeney. Taking Alan's screen time, yeah. Th- I mean, that's all it is. But it, I kind of also feel like, hey, we paid you for this episode, so we're going to have you in oh, well, this Well, I do appreciate that they're like... It's not one of those things
0: where Eli comes in and then we just don't hear from him again. Like, he's around. And I do think that even the show is having fun with Eli and Feeney's dynamic. Why not have
1: Eli be the one who shows Forrest Gump... In class, sure, we have a discussion about Eli being like, I was a a news anchor, I went all around the country, it's the best life, then we have reason for Eli to be there. We have reason for him to interact with Phoenix. It's him
0: learning how to talk to kids and be a teacher and be in that environment. Basically, all the shit that we got from this person we're never going to see again in the guidance counselor. Could
1: have been done with someone we're going to see again, and it would have even had the extra dynamic of Turner's... Best friend yep. being the one who inspires Sean to leave. Oh, that's such a. How did episode. we make this episode that much better? That and so we just much had better, a- <laughs> bro. We just movie makeover this shit. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then the final... Oh, all, the only other thing I wanted to say is, do you even believe Feeny would accept the gift basket? Baskets,
0: I. I believe that Feeney would donate them. Well, I mean, we see that he yeah, actually like that. like when he said like when the gift baskets came in, I it thought it was weird that Feeney even took them. That's what I'm saying. But I do think this idea of just like, well, you know what, I'm gonna ch- use it for charity. I don't know. I, I can believe that. I, I, I
1: So the the only thing about that scene that's weird for me is one, the fact that Feeney hands them to Eli and says, Put these in my car. But it in my own goddamn car. <laughs> and then also I would have loved if, like, I feel like a different way of doing that is showing Feeney taking them to his car and Eli being like, hey, what you got there? You know, it's just like, that's so different than him kind of like, it's just, it was weird. And I, I didn't believe I that Feeney would have... I think of it
0: as Feeney being the kind of guy who's just like... Hey, Feeney, I got you your favorite candy bar. How, how's my extension on the test? Feeney taking the candy bar and being like, there is no extension. Thank you for the candy and walking away. Like,
1: that's the kind of vibe he gives me. Yeah, that's I agree with that on Feeney, but, like, the gift baskets, the way that it was introduced, I just had a problem with And I think now that I even talk about it more, it's definitely, like, it was just an awkward way to have him and Eli But interact. I
0: do agree, from a 2019 standpoint, a high school principal taking gift baskets in exchange for kids believing that it'll help them get into college is highly problematic
1: exactly and i just don't i see feeney being wanting to be as far away from that as possible sure uh and then our d storyline eric oh even more who cares (laughs) like every layer we go deeper i care less no i agree with you the fact that we went to d i was like tracking this I was like, how am I on D storyline? We've been over this.
0: The, the Some of the best Boy Meets World episodes are one-story episodes or two-story at best, like, that parallel each other and complement each other, and like, like steak
1: and wine. The, again, this, this is my point. I feel like you and I, we didn't mean to do it, but we very much made this episode over. And a way of doing this where it would have made more sense, we would have been able to get more of the characters that we know, enjoy, and love, would have been to have our storyline be... Eli shows Forrest Gump. He talks or about something. He, related, he just, yeah. yeah, he talks about being on the road, adventuring, learning himself the same way that the guidance counselor does. By doing so, it inspires Sean. Now you have a conflict with Eli and um, Turner. You have the fact that Sean felt the exact same need that we get of, like, getting up, picking up and go and running and using that as an answer. You have Feeney talking to Eli about, hey, you're a teacher now, you can't just tell these stories, Um, and... But then
0: we would lose the very important
1: uh, (laughs) Feeney narration storyline. Exactly! Which made no sense, not even in the show! In the show, Feeney recorded and they were like, ah, we replaced you. (laughs) And then he was just like, Dang it. And walked away. That was the end of that.
0: <laughs> but Harley got the invite back.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then also uh, Eric's hold. I, the only thing I will allow with that is we get little snippets of stories in the background, which I think is fine. And having Eric still be on his quest to get into college, we know will come up later. So I don't mind it as much. But it is stupid that he's in the kitchen, not in his bedroom, typing up this letter um as if he's in a bubble somewhere. And it's also stupid that Amy and Alan are like we get this parallel of Corey being like, God damn it, you raised me right, and then five seconds later, Eric being Eric and yeah. there's no acknowledgement of uh where did we go wrong or any funny beat like that. It's just never brought up. Sure, yeah. So I, this this episode's weak sauce, man.
0: I I don't Weak know.
1: sauce. Alright, cool. I mean there's not much else to okay. say. No, it, it, all right. Not every episode is going to be an hour. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, do you have a bra moment? Just the cyberbullying thing, I thought that really was just like a,
1: what?
0: Um, that, that really took me by surprise, but other than that I like I said, I thought this was a giant nothing sandwich.
1: Yeah, uh, pretty much. And then also, I was just going to say to me, the treatment of the guidance counselor, just kind of like it, it rubbed me the wrong way. I was not a very big fan of it. Um, and I, I kind of feel like I would have liked the character if we would have spent more time with her, even. Um, oh, there is one other thing with her that I thought. At the very end, you have... Corey. Corey. sitting on the couch, and he's talking to her, and she's trying to be like, look, this isn't therapy. Yeah. Come back to me when you want to get into college. And I was like, okay, so... There is, like, this acknowledgement that there needs to be therapy, but a guidance counselor is not a therapist, and I would have really liked to... Have some kind of discussion around that. Like, sure. what is the relevance of a guidance counselor? Let's talk about that for Let's a little get into bit. It. Yeah, yeah, because I didn't think that we did, and I also really don't like the fact that guidance counselors are like, "Ah, I can only help you with college stuff." Yeah, that's kind of shitty.
0: It's yeah, like this yeah. kid's obviously in need of some assistance.
1: Exactly, and that's just just where I was at with that. Um, any other notes? Nope. Um, how about any Feeney taught me or anything like that? Uh, I
0: learned that there is a Paris, Texas. <laughs>
1: you didn't know that.
0: I that this was when how I learned that there was a Paris. Texas.
1: Okay. Uh, I guess I used the Turner taught me. Um, first of all, I also used the turned on by Turner moment. Ooh, a turned turned on by Turner. Ooh, and he is working it this episode, all the episodes, just oh,
0: the entire episode, the entire. So there's not one scene in particular where he's. And there's a
1: a few scenes where he's just kind of, like, owning his, like, his being in charge. Did you feel that (laughs) him and the guidance counselor had a little bit
0: of a sexual Oh, I definitely
1: was, like, waiting for him to, like, hit on her for a little bit. I'm not saying that I'm a fan of it, and I would have, like, been like, Ugh. We don't have to pair him up with every female. But as
0: soon as he like walked up to her, I was like, there's something Yeah,
1: it was a little bit of tension. And maybe that's just like us picking up on yeah. the actors. But I like I kind of sensed something there, but also Turner Turner just has a very gold bloom big dick energy about he him. Does. Thank you. That's what it is. Yeah. It's that gold bloom big dick energy. Yeah. Ah, God. I'm here for it. Um but anyway, my uh Turner taught me was basically a father is more than blood. And I think sure. that he does a really good job.
0: I, I think the show in general really does a great job of highlighting the importance of mentors. Yes. And so I think mentors in any form, whether it be a father or a teacher or a guardian or anything like that, I think it's just what the show is highlights really
1: well. Which again, I think that what makes me upset about this episode is for a show that loves to talk about mentors, they don't really talk about how... The guidance counselor didn't do anything wrong, really, but she just kind of she didn't understand the weight of being a mentor to these kids. Siege, she's a woman who overstepped her <laughs> bounds. She had to be dealt with. And that's I would have even liked her to have been dealt with. She's just kinda, She's just yelled at by Turner, and then five seconds later, she gives a great rebuttal, yeah.
0: and that's it. And again, I wouldn't have minded her so much if I felt that she comes up again, but again, I think this is the first and last time we see her.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so, uh, what episode, are, oh, sorry, what grade are you giving this episode? C minus. See, I'm not gonna lie. I originally gave this a B minus, kind of like in the moment, but the more we discuss it, the more I'm like, this is a C
0: episode. Yeah. I, I'm going to say C- minus for me. And like, I'm
1: going to just give it a C. Because um, there
0: are a few parts that are genuinely funny. Yeah. And, like, this isn't as weak a, of an episode as we saw in the last few seasons. but But yeah. um, it's not one of the best either. So
1: It is. I, really this hot.
0: is an episode that I would say skip. If you're trying to watch the C-series along with us <laughs> and you haven't watched this yet, skip it.
1: But, I mean, honestly, I think maybe we should start doing that where we're just like, hey, If you haven't seen the episode, don't. (laughs) You're good. Okay. Uh, What's your homework?
0: Um, you know what, my homework for uh, this week, I just saw Heredity for the first time.
1: I've not seen it, and I refuse to. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, like, I've just been on, like, a movie kick lately. Like, I just got finished watching Stranger Things, and I was like, I don't want to dive into another show. Like, I really want to just watch a few movies. What did you think about Stranger Things? Well, I love Stranger Things. But yeah, so you was, did like it? I did, I did like we it. We could take, like, a few seconds, because that was part of the homework. So that was, that was your, you your can homework. You give the audience. Um, I thought that I liked the season a lot better than season two of Stranger Things. Do you agree
1: with my assessment that season two was, like, the bridge to this?
0: A hundred percent. Um, there were a few things that I was just, like, like, spoiler alert, like, (laughs) um, I didn't understand uh, Hopper Hopper and, uh, Joyce's relationship dynamic throughout the season yeah it seemed like Hopper was a completely different person than he was in seasons one and season two he seemed a lot a little bit more erratic a little bit more emotional and sensitive and all these things that didn't seem true
1: to what his character was I feel like their argument is raising a kid and the things that Hopper and Joyce have gone through in the last few uh years yeah um is changing who he is I think that that's kind of but what they're going what, what with, the, but I I can say that they don't necessarily make a great argument for it.
0: Well, one of the things I heard was that like every season they choose different eighties tropes to kind of play into, mm-hmm. and that they were going for a Luke and Layla. Like, Han Solo, like, you know, will-they-won't-they they kind of banter thing. And they were really trying to push the banter aspect like a of moonstruck. it. Like a Like, yeah, like this this kind of um, uh, Sam and Diane bickering yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, And I just felt like it didn't seem... Like, they have more romantic chemistry when they're working together than when they're arguing with each other. And it seemed like they thought they were arguing to create romantic chemistry. Well,
1: I think that part of this season, they talk about, um, there's that whole idea of that one character who's just like, just do it already. It's clear that you want to. Yeah, I know he's disgusting and not what you wanted, but you got to admit you're kind of curious and you want to do it. And you, you think that like you're above it and you're this big macho guy, but you just want to be with her. So let it happen <laughs> so we can all get on with our lives. One of the really
0: unbelievable things, and you know what? We're just going to talk about Stranger Things, I guess. <laughs> um, one of the really unbelievable things about this season to me was the amount of times that parents had no idea where their kids were considering the events that have taken place in this town in so, the last few years. So
1: that is, it's a 80s trope. And in the 80s and early 90s, well, sorry, in the 80s, parents don't exist. Um, that's something that I, we, you and I did not grow up in the 80s, but that's just something that everyone kind of says nostalgically. It's like no one knew, no one's parents knew where they were. It was yeah. like, come home when the streetlights get on. That's it. Outside of that, I assume that you're okay. And I guess it wasn't I told
0: J- for Joyce to be so hysterical for three seasons straight about where's Will? <laughs> and then like, like, I don't know where Will is. Whatever. I'm sure he's fine. Like, it just seems like a departure for a character.
1: No, I agree that like I think we're just used to 90s helicopter parents. Yeah. You know, where it's like, you always know where your kid is, and you always, but I'm not saying that you're wrong in terms of the character. I'm just saying for the genre. Parents not knowing where their kids is is very much an 80s thing. Sure. And you have the freedom to stand by me and all the other things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> I watched her Hereditary. In, hereditary. <laughs>
0: I thought it was uh, a really good movie. I think Toni Collette's fantastic, and I'll watch her in anything she's in. Um, so, yeah, go watch something with Toni Collette, because she's fantastic. Um, she is. United States of Terror, amazing. She, Sixth Sense, amazing. Like She's great she's in She's
1: always really good. Um, she kind of reminds me of... Her looks reminds me of the woman in The Shining... I can't think of her name right now. Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall, where it's like, you're not who we want for like looks, but you give performances that you're like, yes, that's what we need. And Hereditary, she gives such a fantastic
0: performance. And what I love is that, this is why I'm kind of such a big fan of horror movies in general, is that I feel, and I, I can just fully argue, that I feel horror gives women more empowered roles than most any other genre absolutely and that's that's one of the things that like i see some of the best uh female acting performances in horror movies and i feel like hereditary and her character specifically is a great example
1: um i think i think it's wisecrack um but it may be another um online video essay um Page, they do this whole thing about hereditary and horror and moms yeah. and how almost every horror series is framed around women and the fears of being a mom or the influences of a mom's um mom's influence, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So um, I think it's really interesting. And the moment you brought up Hereditary, I thought of that video, and I will share it because it makes a pretty good argument. Cool. Um, All right. My homework, kind of, we we brought up kind of mental health um, and and the guidance counselor part. And so that made me think of the series Grownish. I don't know if I've used it as my homework before, but it's in its second season. It's really good. It's kind of the modern... Um, what do we call it? The modern, different world, or even like, I would say now, uh, it kind of has that Boy Meets World feel, where it's like, it's only 30 minutes, you get this group of kids who are learning how to be in the world that we're in right now, and they hit on a lot of really heavy topics, but in a way that feels approachable, and it feels like it's not talking down to you. Sure. Um, And I think that it's fantastic. They just did an episode on mental health, and uh, it's really centered around minorities' uh, relationship with mental health, yeah. which I think is fantastic. Um, so I highly recommend that to everyone. It's also on Hulu. If you have a chance, check out Grownish Season 2. And that is our episode.
0: Yep, that's
1: it. All right. So uh, thank you guys for listening to Bro Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all the places. Um, yeah, guys, we're 50 episodes deep. <laughs> We've been doing this for how long?
0: Um, I want to say like two years. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Two and a half or something.
1: Eh,
0: yeah, not bad. Yeah, I mean Flint still doesn't have clean water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm
1: sad. Yeah. Um, and and. Politics have only gotten worse.
0: God, a <laughs> I feel
1: bad. like we, like, if we go back to listen to like early ones, I feel like we're way more optimistic about the world ahead. Sure, sure, and yeah, now yeah. it's just like <laughs> we have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X T R A C E E J. Um, I'm pretty much tweet all my feelings about any show that I'm watching right now. That's all you're going to really get from me, my political views and my responses to shows that I'm watching right now, uh, including Real Housewives of Potomac, which I have watched. I will tell you about that later, but that's for a different time. Uh, TC? Um, uh, I know <laughs> <laughs> I threw you off with that oh, sorry.
0: I have some clips of uh, Strange Addiction that I need to show you before I leave. Okay. Um, but- You can check that out if you like. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at @obraverme at Braver.me. And um, I post, like, fitness shit for the most part. But honestly, where you'll probably most likely find me for the next few weeks is enjoying my A.M. Steve's Stubbs VIP pass. (laughs) Exactly. Three movies a week. So I'll have better homework for you guys, hopefully, because I'll be
1: seeing more movies. Watching all the movies. Okay, remember to dream. Try. And do good. Motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm sorry. I just saw Tarantino, so I have a lot of motherfuckers in here.
1: Later, bruh!
0: Later, bruh!